0: This is the Press Box.
1: Did we just lose Tyler? Oh, okay. Yes, it does. It looks like we've lost Tyler and uh, Ed. Well, this is
0: good. With Grainy and Bischoff. Oh, that's great, Jared.
1: On ESPN
2: Las Vegas. Oh, thank you, Jared. I'm an idiot. ESPN
0: 1100, as the man said, it's Ed, Tyler, Jared. We're not losing anyone today. There'll be no muting. There'll be no falling off. Everyone's going to be straight on fact. How are you, buddy?
2: Can I take that bet?
0: No, because you'll just oh. mute, mute yourself and then I'll lose the bet. <laughs> so I'm not at your house. So I have no idea when you mute yourself. Um, no, uh, you can't take that bet. It's, it's
2: going to be free money. Come on. It's,
0: it's great odds for me. I know what we're starting with, but do you remember, do you have uh, any idea, especially after what we're about to talk about, why the Gold Knights would uh, have no media availability today? What a
2: shock. Oh, they don't? No, oh, There's, there's, there's man. no media availability. I don't know oh, if that was... Are they Are they using the guys if they don't play until Saturday as, as a reason? That might be it. That might oh. be it. This might
0: be the day. Uh, there would oh. have been a few questions asked. Here we go.
1: The First Bite. The First Bite is currently unsponsored, so today it is brought to you by the Unnecessary Roughness Podcast from Raider Nation <laughs> Radio. Did Vancouver end the Golden Knights' playoff hopes?
0: I'll say this. I was thinking about this last night. What an uninspiring, forgettable performance this time right? of the year when you need to win. I mean, it, the you have to win these games. You're in a playoff hunt. You're fighting for your playoff lives. That was the most uninspiring, borderline pathetic performance for what they're fighting for. It was just, it was bad. The defense in Leonard had in front of Leonard was terrible. I don't really know how much to blame him on some of those goals. They couldn't solve that. Your Demco, that was terrible. Now look, they still might make. You know, they'll probably now that I said that they'll run off nine straight wins. But I'm sitting there last night. Adam Hill said it's the least amount of buzz in the arena he's ever heard in that arena. It's like you know what you're playing for here, right?
2: I mean, you yeah. get what this is about. It was unreal that this team playing well, right? They've won. They've won yes. games in a row, five, five games in a, row, in in a row. row, before last night, and they got basically embarrassed by the vancouver canucks for check like that that's what happened right. they got embarrassed because the vancouver canucks forecheck check was too good and the golden knights could not get out of their own zone and it, it it they struggled early like this wasn't like the golden knights scored the first goal of the game but like the first five to ten minutes of the game the golden knights weren't looking very no, they were really getting, getting, out, getting shot. out of their own zone yeah and they couldn't get out of their own zone and Jack Eichel scored, and it was one nothing. and hockey's weird. Te- things often flip pretty quickly in terms of who's playing well, but it, it didn't ever really flip, even though they scored. The Vancouver Canucks were better than the Golden Knights last night. Oh, and absolutely. That is, at this point in the season, when the Canucks, though technically not eliminated, when the Canucks, a team that's not going to the playoffs, and you are holding on to a sliver of hope, like, that's a pathetic night. That is a pathetic game. From the Golden Knights. This wasn't a 5-1 loss to a good team, right? It's not like this is a team, they lost to a team that's routinely doing this, right? That was a pathetic loss to a bad team. That's a bad Vancouver Canucks team that just flustered and embarrassed the Golden Knights last night. And given the situation, given it's the first time in franchise history that they've had like really meaningful regular season games coming down the stretch here, normally it's been, are they you know competing for seeding or whatever? but the first time they've had real meaningful end of regular season games, and you get that, you get that kind of performance where a Vancouver Canuck four check is too good for you, that it's pathetic. I mean, it's a pathetic game, and it doesn't officially end their playoff hopes, but it certainly feels like it ended their playoff hopes last night.
0: Yeah. The first time they have not gotten a point in a game against the Vancouver Canucks. Think about that. And this is when you're fighting for your playoff lives um I, I don't know what to tell you it, you just sat there and they kept you know they kept one 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 two one three and they did the two goals within 16 or 17 seconds it was terrible and i don't know how you i don't know how you put up the performance like i said we're saying this and they're going to reel off eight wins and make the playoffs and be laughing about it but I, I don't know if they can do that after last night um they are they have a the schedule to- that maybe allows them to win a lot of games down the stretch but that was that was ridiculous
2: they are down to 31.6% playoff odds, uh, playoff percentage, according to Money Puck. And Money Puck's projected, like they do projected point totals for the rest of the season, uh, they are at 93.6, their projected point totals to end the season. Uh, Dallas is at 98.4, the Kings are at 99. So basically, right now, Money Puck projects the Golden Knights will finish five points out of the last playoff spot, which that's not anywhere. That's basically three games, right? That's almost three right. games. So that you're not even really close at this point. They've got to be five points better than expected down the stretch or have L.A. or Dallas be five points worse than expected with everybody having roughly you know 10 games left. That's a very tough thing to figure out. And really, at this point, you've got to have – I mean, what do they have to win, seven or eight of the last uh, 10 games? Yeah. Here? And you've, even if you do that, you need LA or Dallas to, you know, win three or four of their last 10 games. Like it's in hell. Dallas has more than 10. Dallas has like,
0: they have like 13 seven. games left.
2: <laughs> so it's, uh, it's really tough to figure this out unless there is an incredible run by the golden Knights to win nine or 10 of their last 10 or one of these teams just falls completely well, off the cliff.
0: Watching last night, I think the odds of them getting in, might they might have to uh, count on Dallas coming back or the Kings coming back. Yeah. Because that team last night's not winning eight or nine of ten. And I know, and Shane Knighty made a good point. It's like, look, these things happen during a season. Yeah, but they can't happen now. Right. You know, if this is the middle of the season, you have a clunker. That happens all the time. I mean, every team has that. Colorado has those. But you can't have that kind of game now when you're playing for your playoff lives. And, and- they did.
2: They've had plenty of these games throughout the season right they've had plenty of games where they show up and maybe not as bad as last night but where they show up and they're down multiple goals and they just never really get back in it like that's been the issue is that this team hasn't been good enough over the entire course of the season right like normally at this point the golden knights have done enough that they've already clinched a playoff spot or virtually clinched a playoff spot and Losing this game normally means, eh, maybe nothing at all. Maybe you'll drop down a seed line in the playoffs. Maybe it costs you home ice advantage in the Western Conference Finals or something like that. But it's very rarely this team's playing for their playoff lives here, and that's what's happening, and they completely blew it last night. I mean, completely blew it. And now they've got – I mean, this this was part of the run where they had a really easy schedule, and they needed to pick up almost every point possible against Vancouver, Seattle, and Arizona. They've still got another one against Arizona and another one against Vancouver. And I guess if they win both of those, you'll be more optimistic about it. They win both of those and get a loss from L.A. or Dallas, and all of a sudden their playoff odds are back up to 50%. But that's a, that's a lot of ifs just to get to 50%. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's just there was just no excuse for it. What did you think about uh, Leonard, five? Because a couple of them, I mean, they uh, – the second Patterson goal, I mean, th- there was no one who checked him at all. He's standing in front on the back door. There's nobody there. It was either Marsh or so, and I think maybe White Cloud. I'm trying to remember who was supposed to be there. But I, I'm i not putting all five on Leonard, I'll tell you that.
2: No, I I think last night was an example of a poorly played game and a goalie not being the best goalie. in the, like. The only chance the Golden Knights had last night is if Robin Leonard is the best goalie in the history of the sport. And if he, if he had been that, like we, we've seen goalies have that type of performance, even though the team sucks in front of them and they steal a win. Robin. I mean, that's always possible. Robin Leonard did not steal the win last night, but that's a high standard to put on a goalie to say, hey, we're going to give up a bunch of dangerous scoring chances. Right. Alec Martinez is going to throw a pass to Chandler Stevenson. When Chandler Stevenson isn't looking, it's going to be a turnover and it's going to be a two-on-one right in front of you. Uh, go make a save for us, Robin Leonard. Right. That that that's not going to happen. I mean, hell, the the first goal, uh, there's a I, I don't even know if it hit Leonard, but rebound or block shot. Guess who gets to the puck first? Bo Horvat, and right. there's a wide open net to shoot. Like the Golden Knights had nothing going, nothing helpful in front of Robin Leonard last night. So, like, could he have been better? Yeah, but that would have led to them losing three to one because the other side of this, the Golden Knights scored one goal. Yeah. one one goal last night they had a five on three power play for 58 seconds in the third period and granted it was five to one the game was probably over but a five on three per- uh, power play for a minute couldn't score plus they had the minute before and the minute after the minute five before on and four. after
0: yeah they had five on four with the power play
2: couldn't score like it, it's the power play has been pathetic all year but they, you're not winning games scoring one goal like that's just not that's not a a realistic expectation and that's all they scored last night was the one goal and pretty much got embarrassed the rest of the time. So could Leonard have been better? Yeah. Would it have mattered? Probably not. They probably just end up losing that game three to one instead of five to one or something like that, because that was a horrible performance. I mean, Pete DeBoer said awful, like 16 times. It was an awful dep- uh, performance from Vegas.
0: How how quickly did that post game go? I didn't listen to it.
2: Uh, Adam, Adam Hill, Adam he, Hill he p- predicted it. it's the fastest ever. He timed it. I think he said seven minutes was the official time. Oh man! Games. And that, and I think he meant for everybody, like coach and. He player. meant everybody. Yeah, because I think Pete DeBoer was only like two minutes, right? That was like that was like coach, and then the break between coach and it take the time it takes for players to get out there, and then the players talk and finish there. So yeah, maybe seven. Wow, minutes that's so,
0: fast. Well, what are you going to say if you're Pete DeBoer when you come in there? What are you going mean, to? I mean, you're not going to sit there and answer was, questions all yeah, night about it.
2: His one quote was, "We were awful. We were awful in front of the net. Awful on breakouts. We were awful everywhere. I can tell you one thing: we were no good. That's that sums it up. I mean, I don't know what. Drop
1: it, the mic and go off yeah. the stage. <laughs> There's not really anything else to say. I have a follow up of how awful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is
0: Daddy coming
1: in?
2: Oh, by the way, where's Daddy been? He he gets he was uh he was playing well,
1: gets traded, comes back, scores a couple goals, and now he's just disappeared. Yeah. They got to trade him again, and then have I that guess. every couple every couple weeks. Well, they got nine more teams on that no trade list. Yeah, they could trade
0: him a lot no more, to, and then find out that he's on the list.
1: They can
2: space this out through the rest of the. Regular it was just, season I mean, it was back. just
0: no energy. It it was. I, I I'm watching him, saying this can't be this way when you're fighting for your playoff lives. And again they could win eight straight who knows like you say all the time hockey's dumb and you know they could reel off wins and they do have some easy game well essentially they should be easy games coming up uh that you know they could compile points but you watch that team last night and you just don't know how you know even if like even if you lose 5-4 i mean you know even if you're in the game and you're scoring goals and you just have a bad night in front of him and he gives up five but you're you're scoring at the other end but it didn't happen that way it wasn't even close against a team like you said probably has a 1% chance and, you know, they're not going to make it. And they were so much the better side last night. Ridiculous.
2: Oh, with Vancouver's win last night, they leapt up to 1.4% chance to make the playoffs. playoffs. They're still in it. Yeah, they got it. They got a chance. The the energy question watching on TV, it was the least energy from the television crew that I think I've ever seen. (laughs) Like, and... Granted, they're down five to one in the third period with their playoff line playing for their playoff lives here. So it's relatively expected. But I imagine the arena was the same way because. Oh, that yeah. was just, Yeah. I mean, you're you're down multiple goals in the second period. It's five one in the third. Like it it probably should be dead. I mean, there's nothing. They gave them nobody any reason to cheer or any reason to the, have hope that they were coming back in that game.
0: The biggest TV uh personality was every time Vancouver sh- uh, uh, scored they showed the one Vancouver fan in the entire uh, arena and that guy kept standing up putting his hands over his head that guy got more TV time than the players I mean it was do you remember him like every time it's was like oh there's that guy again the Vancouver fan.
2: Alright coming up next Major League Baseball's opening day is finally here It's the Press Box the on ESPN Las Vegas
3: The terror is this there's no guarantee that a baseball game will ever end there is no clock. It's absolutely possible for a pitcher to be so ineffective that outs are never recorded, and the game marches on, locked in a death spiral until the end of time.
1: Oh, baby.
2: Opening day is finally here in Major League Baseball. It uh, what are we? About a week and a half delayed, something like that, from. Uh remember when the owners threatened there wouldn't be 162 games remember that (laughs) remember that now we're here for game one of 162 throughout a full regular season uh despite a delay and despite all the threats of there not being 162 games this season um the dodgers don't actually start until tomorrow but are you still worried about their spring training numbers? Jared, oh. you missed this yesterday. Ed was very concerned that the Dodgers are not hitting in spring training.
0: And nobody, well, Freddie Freeman and and Trey Turner are the only ones hitting. Everyone else is at like 167 and below. I mean, who else do you need
1: to hit? You got two Mookie. hitters.
0: Mookie, well, no, Mookie's just... 134. This guy Muncie, 167. Uh, Justin Turner like 148. And then <laughs> Bellinger, of course, we're just expecting him to strike out. You know, three out of every four at bats. I'm not worried about him because I know
1: what he's going to do. But Mookie worries me. <laughs> I I'm uh, Mookie worries me. He's like one of the 10 best players in the sport, Ed. All you need, Ed, they've designed baseball now where all you got to do is hit, just hit a home run. If you have two guys in your lineup, they're both going to bat, you know, a couple times. That's six runs right there. You'll win. It'll be fine.
2: Ed is out here. Mookie worries me. Like, I need to find the Denver Nuggets fan that's like, this Nikola Jokic is worrying me. Like... What are you doing? Can't Move shoot
1: free throws. Free. Can't shoot free throws. <laughs> he
0: was at one point this spring, two of 22.
2: That's fine. It's spring training, Ed. There's no, there's no correlation between good spring and good actual regular <sighs> season or bad spring and bad regular season.
1: I, I will say, based on all the years I went to spring training and that influenced my fantasy baseball team, there might be a direct inverse <laughs> correlation. <laughs> like, if you're tearing it up in spring training, you're not going to do bleep <laughs> during regular the regular season.
2: season.
0: All right. The Kyle Dodgers, Lewis.
1: The Dodgers are the
2: favorites to win the World Series. at. They are fan yeah, that for 95 wins, 94% chance to make the playoff, 57% chance to win the NL West. That's a little and low. A, and a 14% chance to win the World Series, which is higher than every other team in baseball. So as the ever-pessimistic Dodger fan, what stops them from actually winning the World Series? Pitching. Starting pitching? Starting bullpen's pitching. going to be good, right? They just traded yeah. for Craig Kimball, yeah. too. Yeah,
0: pitching. Um, fifth starter. Uh, you know, does does uh, Urias have that kind of year again? I'm not so sure. Kershaw's old. Bueller got rocked by the Angels the other night. That wasn't good. Otani oh, okay, took okay. him deep. Stop
2: with the spring training.
0: Uh, Otani <laughs> took him deep. It wasn't good. Hung a curveball. Pitching, because I I, look, I'm with you. I think they're going to hit enough, but I think the starting pitching um, might do them in. So, if that if that gets fixed, even uh, on a radio show, national radio show last week, Dave Roberts, we're going to win the World Series. Except, if the starting pitching doesn't come through, actually said it. He actually said it. He says they're going to win the World Series.
2: Let me let me ask it to you this way. Regular season and postseason when you're looking at a starting rotation are two two pretty different. Yeah, things. they're two bit. Yeah. It's it's good to have starting pitching depth in the regular season. Once you get to the postseason, you really just need to have three good starters. So if we if we fast forward, Dodgers are in the playoffs. Do you like how confident are you that they have three good postseason starters to win a World Series?
0: Well, it'd be Bueller, Kershaw, and Urias, and I'm not sure. I'm not so sure about Kershaw. Let's see. I mean, how old is he? I, I was surprised he came back. I thought he was going to go home to Texas. So Kershaw worries me. Heaney worries me. Gonsolin worries me. People like that worry me. Um, Bueller does not, and I'll say Urias does not until he proves it's not last year. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm very concerned, Tyler. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you that. You're 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 laughing, but I'm sure you believe me because I'm out of my mind I, about this I team. Mean,
2: I believe you feel that way. I think yes. you're an idiot for well, feeling okay. that way. <laughs> like, come on. So basically, if you look at the Dodgers' postseason rotation, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. But if you're going Walker Bueller, Julio Urias, and Clayton Kershaw, that's probably going to be a good enough three to win the World Series. Oh, you like, think so? It, like, yeah. I mean, because it, it's not like listen, the Dodgers going into the postseason and small sample size baseball happens, but most likely the Dodgers are going into the postseason and they're going to score four or five plus runs every single game, right? It's not The Dodgers are not going to win the World Series because they won a bunch of postseason games two to one, right? The Dodgers are going to win the World Series because they scored eight runs in half the games in the postseason. So Bueller, Urias, and Kershaw, they don't have to be seven innings, two hits, one run starting pitcher in the postseason, most likely. You're probably going to need a couple of those, but for the most part, Kershaw gives you 5 innings and gives up 3 runs. That's probably going to be enough. So like it's not going to be a great starting rotation, but it's going to be good and it's going to be good enough that that offense as long as it shows up Dodgers I, I, there's a reason they're the favorites and there's a reason that I think they they end up actually doing it again because that lineup's going to be ridiculous. There's not a there's not well, Cody Bellinger, but there's not an actual bad hitter in the lineup.
0: Let me ask you this. Um in terms of the Dodgers, what if the bullpen what if other than Cambrell, though you know is not good before after those guys like you know seven to eight would you worry there
2: i mean yeah but bullpen a you can trade for relievers at the deadline it's the usually the easiest position to go find players at at the trade deadline so if the dodgers are really struggling in the bullpen they can go find guys and also there's still enough names there like like blake trying there's still enough good names there that going to be bad like the entire well, bullpen's not going to just completely implode you might have one or two guys that suck one or two guys that just are terrible that happens pretty much every year with somebody's bullpen but the entire bullpen's not just going to be awful there's going to be good pitchers there
0: you know what i do with the uh the csn kid he he gets a few uh
2: oh wait what's his name phil i forgot Bickford. his name phil oh, Bickford. Bickford, he gets right. a
0: few uh um remotes against the wall
2: I hope he's the eighth inning guy. This that,
0: year. Oh man, that guy's gonna get remotes <laughs> against the wall if he's the eighth inning guy. I'll tell you that.
2: All right, off the Dodgers for a second. Astros and Angels open the season tonight. Do you think the Angels can actually make the playoffs? Can no. they actually not suck? No, no. no. You it's just immediate no. no. They have two. They have two MVPs. I know they candidates. have two if
0: he can. Well, they had. Well, he was. I, I'm trying to think how many games he played last like, year. He
2: played like thir- played yeah. like 30 games. Yeah, last he
0: didn't year. play many games last year. Um, so I don't think right. they're catching the Astros. I know it's extended playoffs, but. You know, look, it just goes back to one thing with them. If we're talking about pitching, it always goes back to the pitching, right?
2: So, Fangraphs projects them to win 83 games, 44% chance to make the playoffs. So, a little bit better than the Golden Knights right now. Um, You say catching the Astros. If you're winning the division, Astros are projected to win 90. So, that's a tough climb for the Angels there. Their bullpen should actually be pretty good this year. The starting pitching is still the... Massive question because it's Shohei Ohtani. And then are they going to have another quality starter the rest of the way through? Uh, and to be completely honest, is Shohei Ohtani going to be as good as he was last year, right. right? That was a, last year was a breakout year for Ohtani. So is he going to keep that up again on the pitching side is a, probably a fair question to ask. So I don't think they win the division, but I they've got a legitimate shot to actually make the playoffs. They ha- they have to, right? At some point, all that talent is going to actually win 86 games and get into the playoffs.
0: All right, should we do hot takes? To, or, should we it? do hot takes right now?
2: I mean, I don't feel confident saying it, but it has to <laughs> at some point, right? I mean, at some point they've got I, like as much as I don't like offense.
0: them being, in, you know, because the other California team. I want Mike Trout to be in the playoffs. Like, I, I'm one of those baseball fans who like I love Mike Trout and I want them to be in the playoffs. I, it's not like I'm. I don't think they're gonna get there. But I'm telling you, I, I want them to be there because of him. I mean, don't you feel that way? I just Travel. want to see him. I just want to
2: see
1: him. To play. And Otani as well. And Otani, yeah. I, yeah. Am, am I the only one that's the opposite? That I want? Really? I, no, no. I want to see him play. Right. But I also am like, no, the Angels deserve this. Why? They deserve to have two of the greatest players we've ever seen in our <laughs> life and just perennially be like, well, what if we drafted all pitchers? With that work, too?
2: That's what they need to do. It's got to work eventually, right? If you just draft 27 of them, then event- one of them's got to work out. One of those guys they drafted, 21 straight pitchers, has got to work out. All right, coming up next, Ben Goats joins the show.
3: You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler.
2: Got a good old fashioned ass kicking tonight. Joining us now from the Review Journal is Ben Goats. Uh, good morning, Ben. And are you surprised that the Golden Knights, not necessarily that they lost, but they lost how they did last night?
3: Yeah, absolutely very surprised. I think, obviously, you know, Vancouver still a team that's technically by, like, the slimmest of margins. And that you expected Vancouver to play well, you expected the Canucks to possibly be upset about the fact that they lost an overtime to the Knights their last game on home night. But to see the Knights kind of just basically lay an egg like that at this point of the season when every game obviously means so much to them was extremely, extremely surprising. And they didn't start out that well. They still got the lead. And then it just felt like they kinda of collapsed and never even really had a pulse to get back in it. It was kind of ironic that they were down three goals the second intermission for the second game in a row but it was a very different vibe than the chicago game where the knights got back in it right away and kind of started to push where in this case Elias peterson draws a penalty to stir the third period scores a power play goal and it's pretty much you know just playing out the string from there
0: what was the most disappointing part of it at all and i mean it was just so lack of emotion um It it was just God. It was bad all the way around, and it was amazing watching it. But what did you? What were you most disappointed at? The energy, how they played in front of him, like what? What would you? What were you sitting in the press box saying? Boy, this is awful.
3: Definitely the defensive effort, because I think the kind of tone coming into this game was, oh wow, they've gotten McNabb and Martinez back on the blue line. They've got now you know, pretty much outside of Nick Hague still being hurt, you know, their group on the back end and they've got their goaltending intact too. So they obviously had just kind of swept through the road trip, not allowing a whole lot of really good chances. And when they did, they had the kind of goalie tandem intact now to stop a lot of those chances. And you thought, all right, they're still missing some of their key guys up front, but this is a team that's kind of built to win two, one, three, two games the rest of the way. And some of the glaring coverage busts that they had last night were just really, uh, really shocking. Obviously, Elias Pettersson on his first goal, he's just wide open uh, in front of the net there. On the second goal, you know, Jason Dickinson is wide open in front of the net. And even though Zach Whitecloud gets over there to kind of cover him, it's kind of that scramble that leads to the Brad Richardson goal. There was just a lot that. You know, was just not, you know, fundamentally sound last night, even on that Richardson goal. You have Chandler Stevenson not looking for Alec Martinez's breakout pass, and so the pass gets intercepted, and that's kind of how that whole play starts. So, just the lack of detail in zone, I thought, was especially glaring. But also, yeah, as Pete DeVore said last night, nothing. Was good. The Knights really struggled to deal with the Canucks' forecheck pressure. They were not coming out of their own zone well. I did not think they were moving through the neutral zone well. The Canucks did a very good job to kind of muck some things up there. And for the most part, the Knights didn't generate a ton of dangerous chances themselves. They had some, but not a ton. And you obviously add it all up, and they had one of their, you know, worst performances at least recently. Uh, of the season at probably one of the worst times they could have one
2: so if you start trying to do the math in terms of how they get into the playoffs money puck has them at 31 percent if the kings win five of their last games vegas has to win seven of their last 10 games obviously there can be some overtime losses in there to help out too but is this team good enough to win seven or eight of the last 10 to get into the postseason
3: That's a really good question, especially because they're in the part of their schedule now where they've had an easy, you know, last five or six games or so. Chicago, Seattle twice, now Vancouver twice, who's obviously out of the playoffs. And it is going to pick up down the stretch here, where after they wrap up the quick homestead with Arizona on Saturday, you're going back to Vancouver, to Edmonton, to Calgary, and then, of course, you close the year going to Dallas and to St. Louis, uh, you obviously have to win the majority of those games to even give yourself a chance. So it's going to be really tricky. I think it's fascinating. Even looking at the standings, how little ground the Knights have made up, even though they just went on that recent five game winning streak over their last 10 games where they've gone seven and three. And as you said, I think they probably need to repeat that performance. Their last 10 they've made up, Uh, no points on Dallas. They've lost ground to Edmonton, and they've gained two points on Los Angeles and Nashville. Um, As of right now, they are four points behind the Kings. so just making up two points the rest of the way isn't going to cut it. It's just so hard with the way the fact that you can get a point for losing in overtime for teams to make a huge push in a short amount of time. So the Knights, I mean, really have – No margin for error the rest of the way. They're going to have to win basically every game that they're supposed to win because last night was one of those, and they dropped it. And they're going to need to win at least a couple that they're not supposed to win, which is obviously going to make this really tricky. Yeah,
0: and I mean, we were saying yesterday, if it came down to the last couple, uh, maybe not Dallas, but St. Louis, they might have to hope St. Louis is locked in and aren't that interested.
3: Definitely, and that's very possible. Obviously, St. Louis has a very healthy lead, on Nashville right now for the third place in the central division. Um, But what the Knights are probably going to be hoping for is one of St. Louis or Minnesota kind of separates themselves in that second and third spot behind Colorado, because those two right now are kind of fighting it out for home ice in that first round matchup, which will probably be between those two teams. Minnesota right now has a one point edge on St. Louis plus a game in hand. So if the wild really kind of pull away, Maybe St. Louis has nothing to play for there, but the Wild actually have a fairly difficult schedule down the stretch. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's at least something for St. Louis to play for at that point. But you know, also if you're to the Knights, like I said, you've got enough tough games on your schedule even before then, in terms of your trips to Edmonton and Calgary, going to Dallas even before that St. Louis, I think for the Knights right now. Just getting to that St. Louis game with something still on the line would probably be a win.
2: Do you think Max Pacioretty or Mark Stone play before the end of the regular season?
3: It sure looks like it. It sure looks like it's trending that way. Both guys obviously were skating on the side a couple practices ago. They were not practicing with the Knights, so that's going to be another step that they would have to take to get back in the lineup. And then obviously they probably would need to get a couple skates under their belt before they jump back into a game. But I mean, I think if you're the Knights, obviously, right. You want to go down swinging. You want to go down with your captain in the lineup. So I sure think they're going to do everything in their power to try to get those guys ready for the end of the regular season, whether they're going to come back in time or going to come back fresh enough to make a difference is a pretty obviously large question, but I don't think there's any doubt that they're going to try to get those guys as ready as they can before the month is out.
0: Well, you know, the Calvary's not coming. I mean, you Well, know, not yeah, anyone besides no, those two guys. Yeah. <laughs> it
3: sounds like basically everyone else yeah. besides those two guys, you can basically forget about them. We'll see.
0: There's no Calvary. Um, what have you seen from since, and we talked about defensively last night, they were not good in front of him, but what have you seen from Leonard? Um, is he – I assume he's for sure the guy, but what have you seen from him in the last few games?
3: Yeah, so I thought he was really good in Vancouver on Sunday. He made a lot of high danger saves kind of right in front of him, right in the slot area. But even he was kind of critiquing himself, saying, you know, I was a little overly aggressive. I need to trust kind of my size because he's one of the biggest goalies in the NHL in terms of being lifted at 6'4 to Um, And I thought we really saw that kind of over-aggression play out a little bit last night as well. Um, As you mentioned, I mean, I don't think last night is really that much on Robin Leonard, which I think we've said quite a few times this year. I thought the defense in front of him was really, really bad. and He was hung out to dry a couple times. But there was also a couple times where I thought he was a little bit too, you know, over risky in terms of his movement. I thought he got a little bit outside of himself because normally he's a guy that plays very deep in his crease. He reads plays, he kind of reacts and he just kind of gets his body in the way because he has such a big frame. Unlike, you know, a guy like Marc Andre Fleury, who typically in his kind of younger years would come out, challenge shooters and kind of trust his athleticism would allow him to recover. I thought Leonard was doing a little bit too much of that last night where he was kind of swimming around the crease, not staying back um, and kind of locked and loaded where he's comfortable. I think that will obviously come with time. And he's kind of mentioned that where it kind of takes him some time to get back to trusting, you know, like I'm big enough to kind of stay back and make these saves. I don't need to, you know, go out and challenge guys as much. Uh, but obviously, as we've talked about a lot, kind of the issue for the Knights here is they don't have a lot of time for him to kind of, you know, get back to feeling like himself. They need kind of as the best goaltending they can get, the rest of the way here. And so they obviously have to hope that he kind of gets back locked in soon. Like I said, I think the Vancouver performance, the first one was one he can definitely build off of last night. I think he's got a lot to work on there, even though really the defense is probably more at fault than him, but they need the best version of Robin Leonard. They can get these last 10 games because of the way the schedule sets up. They're going to be able to go to him uh, a fair amount if they want to.
2: Well, he is Ben Goats from the Review Journal. Ben, as always, we appreciate it. Great stuff, Ben. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. So, there is Ben Goats from the Review Journal on the Golden Knights after their loss to Vancouver last night. Coming up next, though, you guys remember that Mark Bedain guy resigned from the Raiders in a cloud of secrecy? He's going to try to bring the NBA to Las Vegas.
3: We're back to the Press Box Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff.
2: If you believe uh, Bill Simmons, that's the future part owner and general manager of the Las Vegas NBA team, LeBron James. Uh, But yesterday, there was a story in The Athletic about the NBA, Las Vegas, and the new 20,000-seat arena that the Oak View Group, led by Tim Luecki, is building in Vegas, uh, south of the Strip on Las Vegas Boulevard by Blue Diamond. And the 215 i-15 interchange there but in that story uh they actually talked to mark badain mark badain was president of the raiders mark badain was kind of basically in charge of the raiders relocation to las vegas he was the member of the organization that sort of oversaw and and pushed that through uh mark badain gave a quote yesterday nothing that was that interesting basically just said uh, we don't know if an NBA team's coming, but we're going to be ready in case an NBA team does come to Las Vegas. But let me ask you this part of it. This Oakview group decides they're going to build an NBA arena. They already have Tim Luecki, who's been involved in the NBA and the NHL for many years. They're building this arena. They're saying publicly, oh, we don't know if we're getting an NBA team, but if we, if the NBA wants to come to Vegas, we'll be ready. But do you believe that hiring Mark bedane makes it more likely the NBA does, in fact, come to Las Vegas. Uh,
0: no, I, I think that he's a respected guy. I think that Luecki uh, saw what he did in bringing the Raiders here. But I don't know if he has the NBA. I, I, like I said, I don't know this. He might, but I don't haven't heard that he has the kind of direct NBA ties that would make owners you know, be more apt to expansion. I think if they're going to expand, it's for the money. And they like the Las Vegas market and Lewicki has a lot of ties to the NBA, I think it's far more about Lewicki than anyone else.
2: So here's the way I view it is Tim Lewicki has, he's the one that has the connections and the history with the NBA. And if, and if they're going to get an NBA team here, he's going to be a big reason why, because of who he knows and what he's done in the past. The part that I see Mark Bedane playing is, if I, if I, let's, let's frame it from this point of view. If I'm the Oakview group, if I'm Tim Lewecki, right? Why would I hire Mark McDane? And to me the obvious answer is because he is the one that basically constructed the move of the Oakland Raiders to Las Vegas to become the mm-hmm. Las Vegas Raiders. Sure. He has the best experience for moving a team to, Las, to Vegas. Las Vegas. So if you are going to and this is another sort of key, you know, thing we're we're uh, inferring here, if you're going to relocate a team to Las Vegas, Mark Bidane, granted it was a different sport, but Mark Badane I imagine, has a lot of good experience from a different sport that would apply and be helpful to what yeah. the relocation team would be here in Las Vegas. And that's the other part here, the question here. I think Mark Bidane's hiring makes it seem even more likely that Vegas gets a relocation team as opposed to an expansion
1: team. Mm. Well, it's also tax season, so he's a good hire for that, too. <laughs> that's all I was adding. Ed. You can go ahead now. Um, it's, a, it's a good joke.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, that's, I didn't think of that. I didn't think because he had done the relocation with the, um, with the Raiders that it would be a relocated team. I think it makes a lot of sense. That's a great point by you. I thought it'd be expansion and that Lewicki, I I don't think Luwiki's doing all this if he doesn't think he's getting a team.
2: Right. And that's, I just I don't think, think he is. I think that's the other key point in this entire thing. Like we we've talked about it and how does it make very much sense to build a 20,000-seat arena away from the strip and not have an NBA team, right? Yeah. I mean, you're you're competing with a lot of team I mean,
0: a lot of people yeah. on the strip.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's T-Mobile Arena, there's the MGM Grand, there's Michelob Ultra Arena. They're building that brand-new sphere. I mean, hell, Thomas and Mac, too. Like, there are plenty of venues that seat between ten and 20,000 people that building another one, I don't know if it makes sense, especially when you're not on the strip. It does make sense if you know you're getting 41 NBA team, uh, 41 NBA games. Yes. It absolutely does make sense. So I think when you, when you add all this up, either A, you have to believe that, like Tim Luecki and the Oakview Group, know something are dumb, or B they, they know, know that an NBA team might right. be coming to Vegas. And
0: Luwecki does not, in the past, seem like a dumb guy,
2: right? So <laughs> that's where I tend to tend to lean on this: is that it makes it would make a lot of sense if an NBA team is there. It wouldn't make a lot of sense if an NBA team isn't there. So that's the fascinating part. Now, the other part is. Relocation is interesting, right? Versus expansion, because we've talked a lot about expansion. Adam Silver kind of ended for a brief time the expansion talks last year when he talked about it and said the owners decided it wasn't the right time to expand, talking about, you know, we got to add a team that's going to add revenue to the league. That way we make more money off of it, aside from just the expansion fee. So he kind of threw some cold water on expansion, but relocation is always going to be on the table. Anytime there's a team that wants a new arena or anytime there's a team that sells to new ownership, there's relocation is going to be on the table. So that's a possibility all the time for, and not just for Vegas for pretty much any city that an owner wants to move to. So the key detail that Mark Bedane did give in his, uh, when he talked to the athletic was current target date for opening the arena would be 2026, which means, I mean, we can kind of infer that that means they have, basically four years to land either a relocation Mm -hmm. or expansion team.
0: Yeah. And I I think, I think I can't believe by the, I can't believe in four years that one or two haven't happened for the NBA. I know silver's thrown water on expansion. That's a lot of money for owners uh, to continue to look away from given what Vegas and uh, also if they're considering Vegas, what Vegas has done with the, with the Knights and the Raiders and the market. Um, I'll tell you one thing. I'd much rather have an NBA team off the strip than the A's wouldn't you
2: (laughs) well they'll spend more money on one player i mean yeah exactly they'll actually have money
0: on players and they might (laughs) even have an owner who like is actually seen at some point actually says a quote they might uh, have that
2: it's going to be lebron james bill simmons oh he'll well he'll be front he'll be front and center we'll actually get quotes
0: from him unlike other people
2: they said lebron will be the gm and a part owner of the las vegas nba team um so well i don't know if he should be
0: gm from what we've seen from Clutch and the uh, role players with the lakers maybe someone uh, else should be the gm
2: I agree. I definitely <laughs> agree. Um, so there's a speculation about Mark Badain working for a group trying to build an NBA arena here in Las Vegas. Uh, I'm fascinated to see and basically four years here. The, the thing with that four-year timeline, by the way, if it's relocation, it can literally happen in 2026. If it's expansion, they're going to have to announce it at least a couple years in advance. So relocation still probably easier.